0: Welcome to episode 20 of the Saturday Morning Gaming Show, the retro podcast where we choose one game and episode and share our experiences, title screen to credits. On today's episode, I'm playing through Dungeon Keeper with my good friends Lobos and Alamaxia. So without further ado, let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Saturday Morning Gaming Show.
0: Hello everyone and welcome. It is July 18th, 2020 and I'm your co-host, the Fat Wizard, joined today by
2: Alamaxia and Lobos.
0: And today we're taking a look at Dungeon Keeper, released in uh, 1997 on the PC. So I think we have a new Dungeon Keeper initiate to the program here, Lobos, and that uh? happens to
2: be Alamaxia, correct? Mm. There was so much pain. <laughs> it's such Let's just a good start game. i, w- I
0: want to hear uh, uh because you know lobos and i have both played this uh you know in our formative younger years and so <laughs> i'm real curious to to hear about how the game holds up if you're coming into it for the first time
2: you know i will say that this game holds up incredibly well it uh it had some mechanics that i did not expect in uh in a game like this i when I looked at it, I was I was reading you no know, it's like a godlike game, it's kind of RTS, and I did not expect the depth that this game has. And I can't really think of very many games I've played like this that just give you so many different options and ways to approach the level and really design the level as you're playing it. It's it's a game that I didn't get all the way through, but I'm going to go back and then finish it.
0: Yeah, so that's good. so it sounds like you didn't enjoy your time with it. Uh, Lobos, as as what I would consider the resident expert, mm. the resident keeper, maybe uh, you could walk us through a little bit about how this game works.
1: Oh, Dungeon Keeper. It At its core, um, it's a dungeon builder, where generally you get, there's basically a campaign you play through, and each level you'll start with a certain amount of resources and kind of your base builder creatures, which are known as imps, you're digging creatures, and they, they allow you to dig out through the dungeon that you're building. Normally, there's either an enemy dungeon keeper that you need to take out, or two, or three, and, or there are the heroes, which are like the humans, which are filthy and disgusting and you need to take care of because, well, evil needs to reign throughout the land. <laughs> um, but generally, you'll build different types of rooms, um, for example, a room where creatures can sleep, room where, where creatures can eat, uh, where they can train, where they can study. And not all creatures will do all activities, but based on your dungeon layout, that will attract creatures to your dungeon. And they're not completely directly controllable like in a typical RTS. It's more of an AI kind of like the Sims, where once they're in their dungeon, they're going to do whatever they want unless you explicitly tell them to do something else and if enemies come by they're going they're going to attack them and this and that but it's a little bit harder to control them and you also got to keep them happy but uh i don't want to take up the whole show because i will literally talk the entire hour so (laughs) i'll stop talking right now
0: let's talk a little bit about how the game actually starts uh it's uh it's one of those uh real low low quality cgi which which absolutely adore it's so good i I, I love it (laughs) and and um it basically shows a hero and it maybe it's a little bit ambiguous as if the hero is is your character in the game initially cuz he's going through the dungeon and he is killing goblins and i think traditionally you'd be like yeah i'm going to be that hero and killing all those guys <laughs> uh and then it kind of shifts and they it brings in some real meaty ones uh we see a bile demon who is this very very large red demon with uh you know on on either of its horns has these maces mace uh hanging from them and he is distracting them. he like points at the uh the avatar and he's like you and me and meanwhile behind him sneaking up is a uh horned reaper which is sort of the identic- the, the iconic the character yeah mascot yeah and the horned reaper is sort of this half goat half man creature with two horns uh, like a nose ring and it's uh his weapon is this scythe it uses a scythe to lop off the head of the hero and that's my first introduction to dungeon keeper and i was like this is this is really interesting because i i couldn't think i was really hard pressed to think i didn't do any research but i was really hard pressed to find games that came before this that had the same idea of like hey you're what might be called the bad guy here Mm mm-hmm so so i thought that was a really cool shift once you start the first game uh or actually once you start the game you are presented a map and it has a really cool narrator yeah and you look at and he always narrates the next level so the first level is ever smile and uh, he he says something like "Ah, ever smile uh, where the flowers always bloom and the butterflies always, you know, he, he makes up stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then he and then he'll be like, he'll add his personal commentary, and it will say like, and it's disgusting or something <laughs> like that. So. Yeah, I so love you, it. You jump into that level, and it the first level is actually pretty easy. It gives you some tool tips. Uh, what you're tasked with is 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 basically building out the the beginning of your base, and this more or less for the all 20 levels kind of start out the same way you've got a couple different rooms that you you'll need to build there is a they call it a a lair right that's where the monsters sleep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's a lair there's a hatchery that's essentially what feeds the monsters uh there's a treasure room and that is a place where your imps your little minions will mine gold and then Deposit it, and then you can use that to pay off your creatures, or train them, or you know further build out your dungeon. And so each of the levels starts with building those three things. And again, that's always the same. You always start that foundation, uh, and then you will claim uh, your imps will actually claim. Uh, what do they call it? The summoning portal. The portal. It's the just called portal. portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so based on the level, the portal will at certain frequencies, I guess, award you a new creature. I, I, yeah, I guess that we could say, you know, grant you a new creature based on your dungeon type. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Lobos, maybe you could talk about some of the requirements for a couple of the creatures to actually join your dungeon.
1: Yeah, so there, specifically, you don't even, it's more than just that you have to have certain rooms. The sizes of the rooms also matters. So, for example, the Bile Demon is this big fat demon who farts on everybody and shoots poison gas he eats a lot so it's not just enough to have a hatchery but you need to have at least 25 hatchery tiles so I always build a five by five and i think that's the maximum for any sort of room requirement so my default is to just make five by five rooms of whatever i'm building And sometimes it might be a little bit more cost, but it's never going to set you so far back that you you can't recover or anything. But there's a ton of room types that have their own purposes. You can imprison enemies that you take down in a prison. And then if you choose to, you can build a torture chamber and you can torture people that you've imprisoned and uh, you can convert them to your side. You can learn more information from the enemy, like it reveals map. Or sometimes they'll die and they'll turn into a ghost. Um, Or if they die in the prison, they turn into a skeleton. And these are all creatures that you get. And along with that, for example, the torture chamber will lure dark mistresses, which are a very, very strong creature that you can use. She loves the torture chamber, and uh, it actually increases her happiness to be tortured. Uh, She's kind of a sadistic one, that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you talked about happiness. I think it's worth mentioning just the real depth of this. So, uh, this game was made by oh, I- I'm trying to remember. It was yeah, it was Peter Molinos. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and so he he is uh, famous for a lot of these uh, God games, and this is this is kind of one of them. So you know he he worked on like the Populist, the Theme Park, Black and White, and so Dungeon Keeper. It's interesting because I'm not sure if, if Alimaxi, if you notice this, but you can use a, what they call a query tool. It's basically a question mark, and you can hover over any one of your minions, and you can look at a detailed breakdown of like how happy they are, what their hit points are, what their blood type is. Yeah. I did
2: not, I did not see any of that detail until I uh, watched a little bit of Lobos's stream. There was a, <laughs> a lot of what I was watching even today that I was going. I didn't know that was a thing.
0: <laughs> so, and as far as I know, blood like blood type is a worthless. That, I that think is it just is like a little bit of lore. Yeah, it's right? just flavor, so really.
2: That's cool. so cool.
0: Yeah, so each of your minions has their own wants and their own needs, and you can accommodate them if you wish uh, by you know giving them some some little chickens. Uh, those come from the hatchery, and they're they're used as your sustenance. You can also drop some gold on them. You can also slap them because uh, y- you are basically. In overlord, right? Mm-hmm. Y- your avatar in the game is essentially just a, a diabolical hand <laughs> that uh, picks up creatures and throws creatures down and and slaps them around. And when you slap them, they actually generally move around a little bit quicker uh, at the expense of a little bit of health. Some of the creatures can get annoyed, and then if they get really annoyed, they'll actually start destroying your dungeon. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see, although I wouldn't really consider this a core gameplay element or something you would even use to min-max your gameplay, but it is kind of cool to see the detail in, in the personality of every single creature that you have uh, control of, or that is in your dungeon.
1: Yeah, I would say that you could even get attached to some of the your particular min- uh, monsters, and I have, certainly, because you can even, every single one has a randomly generated name, and so, if you decide that, okay, I want one imp to be really good, so I'm just going to train that one imp and get him to level 10, which is the maximum level, by the way. And creatures will will uh, acquire more abilities as they level up. And for example, the imp, when it hits level 10, er, uh, earns teleport, which allows it to literally just teleport anywhere on the map. So, if you, if it's Got no instructions, and suddenly you tag some dirt on the opposite side of the level. He'll just teleport over and just start digging it out for you. Oh, um, wow. And so at that point, you might you might be like, all right, what's this guy's name? Oh, his name is Phlebus the Imp. Nice. Well, I hope Phlebus uh, does well. And then later in, on in the level, maybe you lost Phlebus. Maybe you have multiple level 10s, but Phlebus was your first one. And now... He's always the first. Yeah. Now you is gone,
2: and I, I can't believe <laughs> it. Or fleebus.
0: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about training because that's a that is a main part of this game. Is is honestly there there's sort of I'd say there's about three stages to every every level. There is sort of the acquisition or building part where you you are building your dungeon, mm-hmm. and for the most part, you hit us you hit a spot where you're like, all right, this dungeon is fully constructed. You may make some modifications here or there to to bolster your defenses or increase the size of your rooms but for the most part you've laid out your dungeon the second stage is just training up your creatures because eventually you know you're gonna have to go out and fight something and so a lot of this stage is just you throwing your creatures into a training room which is um <laughs> comically like uh like these um almost like a, if you think of like a, a mario game where they have these rolling pins with spikes on them that are are you know coming towards you and you have to dodge them it's basically one of those but they're rotating vertically and so the enemies are kind of like you know duking and jiving yeah. under those uh, those uh blades as they're they're hitting them and then there's a the third stage which is the annihilation which is traditionally you pick up all your enemies or you pick up all your minions and you just drop them in front of the enemy and then you hope that your creatures are you know more powerful
1: and on that note, I think it's we should talk about combat a bit because generally everything is AI controlled. You'll dump a bunch of minions on top of uh, enemies and they just go to town. And the, uh, when there's a combat going on, there's a special little pop-up menu you can expand that shows you little icons of all of the minions on your side and all of the minions that they're fighting against. And from there, you can see their individual health bars. And if you need to... You can pluck them from that screen, uh, which is very handy in, you know, maybe your your high-level uh, tank bile demon who's been at the forefront the whole time is about to die. You can just pick him up, and then you can drop him in the lair, let him sleep, recover, and the rest of the, the minions will keep on fighting. But one of my favorite things with older games in general, but and it's very much the case here, is that all of the audio from every creature pretty much stacks on top of itself so you just get this chaotic mass of screaming and spells exploding and it's it looks like a mess but it's it's I feel like it's a valid depiction of what the the combat would be like if you were there there would be a ton of people shooting spells and yelling at each other probably
0: and not only <laughs> that but you also have the I don't know if it's like a voice that I, I'm not sure who this voice is that relates that or relays the status of your yeah. your dungeon to you but there's also a voice that think of like um you know like starcrafters like you need more pylons right that type of thing so he'll'll he'll constantly tell you like your minions need more food or stuff like that uh and and one of the the lines is your minions are dying yeah and or your creatures are dying or something like that yeah. and so like meanwhile yeah you hear all the shouts and the screams and you're like okay i gotta pick up this one and then this guy, this
2: narrator is also telling you your creatures are under attack mm-hmm. your minions are dying yeah. and it's like it's very frantic like there are a lot of times a narrator will be yelling at you your creatures are dying and you're going i don't know where they're dying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly I guess when
0: you when you traditionally think of God games, you I I, at least I think of kind of something a little bit more slower, a little bit more methodical, maybe some more planning. But I do feel like in terms of those style of games, this one can be very hectic and there's a lot of stuff to be doing all at once.
2: And that's really what threw me off was the hecticness of it, because I guess you put into words what I couldn't there is I was expecting it to be that more slow, methodical God, like not When I got to the mid-levels, constantly going, where where are these things coming from?
1: Yeah. One of the important things that they teach you early on is about the fortification of your dungeon. So once you've dug out your rooms, uh, once your imps have kind of finished their tasks, they'll wander around your dungeon and do a little dance on the walls of your dungeon. And that'll fortify it, which means that if there's an enemy that's digging around, they won't actually be able to dig through your walls and you're safe. As long as all your walls are fortified, then the enemies cannot dig in. So you can you can just take your time, you can train up, and all that. At some point, maybe level five or six, suddenly they very quickly move on you. And if you are not prepped and ready and fortified up, they'll just bust right in and it, it becomes a mess. Because maybe you don't even have any creatures yet because you've just been focusing on building. So you're just out of luck. And so you, you usually you have to retry if if a uh, level doesn't turn out the way that you, you wanted it to.
0: Yeah, and sometimes those fortifications can be tricky because often what you're, you'll you do is, you know, again, you start the game and you kind of be like, all right, I have a big, nice, big dungeon here, nice, big training area over here. Uh-huh. and And then you hear the dreaded, your minions have tunneled into a new area. Yeah. <laughs> and that is when you know that you have screwed up building your dungeon <laughs> because you have basically exposed your dungeon to something that is often impossible to fortify because it will usually be like oh there's no walls here to actually fortify because it's a big pit of lava or the enemy has already been here Mm -hmm. and so yeah there's certainly been times where i start out the game and i'm like oh i tunneled into an area uh better um better restart and make sure i don't go that way anymore
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah, there is one level that there is there's one level i know uh it killed me a few times i tunneled uh through one wall of gold and there was a bunch of harpies there that wiped my base oh yeah okay don't go that way
0: (laughs) yeah it's sometimes it's a process of discovery often what i would do when i start a level you can sort of see the resources the game has has sort of planned for you to have Mm -hmm. and so often what i would do is i would dig around those resources or otherwise try to find the choke points and try to dig that reinforce that right away and then once you've reinforced those choke points you can pretty much uh, dig all the way around uh, in that area you've reinforced without having to worry about the enemy coming down and, and breaking into your dungeon
1: yeah um one of my favorite things on the same subject is there is a there's a map that you can click in the top left and it gives you a cursor you can mouse over and it'll show you like a little preview a very kind of you know low just very pixelated representation of of where you're pointing. So if you mouse over like your training room, you'll see uh, the icons of your creatures moving around. It's not the 3D model, but just a little painted icon. and you And you can hear them training and this and that. But if you're mousing over the map before you've discovered it, you can hear sometimes like, oh, I can hear the enemy keeper and his minions are digging out stuff here. Or I can hear footsteps, which might be, enemies waiting for me to dig to them or it might be neutral uh creatures which when you encounter a neutral creature will actually join your side so there's a lot of uh a lot of trial and error but luckily you can save at any point in the game so you can say well i'm gonna see if these are friendly creatures dig to them and then reload if if it doesn't turn out your way
0: yeah i think we just uh completed uh one of the levels i think it was lush meadow on down and this was a, a level that introduces you to the bile demon because yeah mm-hmm. you dig and you find uh there's a big lava pit and then in the very center of that lava pit is a prison that has a neutral bile demon yeah you you basically can just pick him up and move him to your dungeon which is a, a little weird i actually thought i had to build a bridge to the prison but it's not the case ah. uh, but yeah that, that's a good example of like being able to just get a neutral creature and then i was like uh great i got a bile demon and wild demons love to train, which is great uh, because they're very strong if they, they train to a high enough level. Uh, and it also reminds me of the way that you actually build your levels actually really influences the speed and training. So there, there's a couple of different things. There's how you, you uh, place rooms next to each other. For instance, uh, monsters got to eat and monsters got to sleep and monsters want to get paid. Mm -hmm. and so let's say you want to maximize your training time it's wise to put all those areas around the training ground so it's like all right during payday you got to go collect your cash hey look it's next door um (laughs) hey you're hungry there you go there's an exit for you right there yeah and they physically have to walk there and so let's say that you've got your Training on one side of the area and then your your hatchery on the other and then sleeping on the other. It's, you know, that's super inefficient. And so it's really fun to sort of play and try to maximize the efficiency of the rooms. And and so that's one way is just the placement. The other is there's sort of, I think it's actually hidden... But there is a uh, a way that the game tracks how efficient the room itself is.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a there's an efficiency meter on the rooms. When you mouse over a room, a little oh. flag pops up. There yeah. are three bars. Red is health. That only affects like whether in, uh, one of your creatures is destroying your own rooms because they're mad, or if the enemy is taking over your room with one of their imps because they can they can take over your rooms. Then there's the green, which is how much capacity it has so whether the room is full and then i believe white is the efficiency bar on there
0: mm-hmm. okay yeah i think i think you're right and the way that the efficiency is 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 dictated is and it's really cool because it it sort of matches the way that you feel like you should build uh, in that every room should have more or less four walls because you could you know let's say that you didn't care about the aesthetic of your dungeon and you're just like hey why don't we just you know remove every single wall here and just throw everything on one giant like open open office space plan yeah, right yeah, so yeah. you've got you've got everything there that actually makes the rooms less efficient and that means like you know they have to train 20% longer to get a level up and i thought that was really cool mm-hmm. and so it, it kind of like it's like your your aesthetics actually match the functionality of the room but the way that it's calculated is if you have more or less walls surrounding they have to be actually like um you know we'll call them dirt walls the ones that you can dig in uh, because there's another type of wall there's impenetrable wall which is like a a rock those actually don't confer any sort of bonus so what you want to do is dig with basically one entrance in and one entrance out or actually the same one entrance in and out and to maximize the amount of dirt walls around your your little room Uh, and so after it after that happens then your imps can reinforce the walls and once you've reinforced it it's essentially got maximum efficiency and so yeah you want to throw down your imps let them reinforce the walls especially in your training room
2: so you still want to make sure you add doors and if you don't have doors in between you can even throw up um i think there are the guard posts and i think if you throw guard posts in the doors that'll even increase the efficiency ah okay
1: cool
0: so that is true. Now, I will say, uh, Alamaxia and Lobos, uh, because y- you folks were, were trying to stream some of this, I think you guys weren't playing with the the Keeper FX mod. I was playing with the Keeper FX mod. And so folks that are wanting to, you know, let's say that you, you, you hear about all this great stuff and you want to check out Dungeon Keeper, we do recommend you check out the Dungeon Keeper FX mod. It, it makes it yes. a lot easier on the eyes, especially for resolution. But they do change a couple things. And that is one of those is they, uh, uh, doors and guard posts do not actually confer efficiency bonuses anymore oh. because I think what was happening is people would just, instead of having walls, they would just like surround it with guard
1: posts. Ah, okay. <laughs> so
0: I think, I think keeper FX kind of like tried to balance stuff out or like remove some of the bugs or whatever. Another thing they did, and we haven't got to this yet, but we'll talk about it a little bit later is there's a temple and the temple you can use to sacrifice creatures and uh, there are certain formulas that that give you certain benefits and the keeper FX mod actually changed all of those formulas which mm. I'm, I'm not quite sure why they did that but mm-hmm. yeah uh, so we we have had a little bit of different experiences in 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 the game but they I th- I'd say they're they're pretty
2: minor now did either of you use the computer assist that's something we haven't talked about. Is there is a, a a computer assist in this where you can have the AI of the game assist you in actually either building out your dungeon or moving around your uh mob your actual creatures for you, or um or is that the
0: something C- in between?
1: Yes, yes. The, button, the C on- button, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Okay, because I clicked on on a couple times and then uh, I would notice a bunch of paths would would be marked for for mining. And I and I always thought that I messed up something because I'm like, wait, why is this? Okay, I'll just yeah. unmine, you know, uncheck those for being mining.
2: Okay, so so what it is is um, what what happens is I by default they have it set uh, a little too high. There's four different levels of AI assist. Uh, the lowest level is where it will only move your mobs for you. Where if you were to be attacked by an enemy when you're out exploring, all of a sudden every single one of your creatures that can attack are placed right down on top of that imp. So if your imp's out exploring a hallway, your entire (laughs) army is placed on them for you.
0: So so you're saying that if you get attacked, the computer will throw all your uh, minions uh, to assist your creatures that are being attacked?
2: Yes, as long as they're on a square where you can drop them, like it's, it's a square that you've taken control of then it will it will move everyone That's and it will also take care of moving them around for their own happiness. So if they're like, I really uh, want to go to the library instead of training, your, your dragon or your or your wizard is going to move around that way.
0: Yeah. So that would that, that would have been useful because I, I definitely ran into issues where you can only pick up eight creatures at once. You're working with army sizes like 25 mm-hmm. creatures. So the computer is a lot easier. They're they're a lot um more dexterous and can pick up all their creatures and throw them down but i'm picking up and throwing down eight at a time and so i i always um i'm a a little weary of the the opening wave i put down there i'm like you guys are probably going to die before the reinforcements
2: (laughs) come good luck right yeah and and with that uh and that is actually why i use that is because i i couldn't i couldn't manage my creatures quick enough i was losing half my army Uh. before i could get them out yeah, mm. I, I
0: will say that um, if you really train your creatures up, I, I think uh, the first maybe 10 levels, you probably don't need to get them up to level 10. But yeah, uh, once you start getting up there, you definitely want to hit your at least a couple of your creatures at level 10 because the level differences are are uh, amazing. Like, you know, imagine four or five level one creatures will not even dent a level five creature. Yeah. And, and a level five creature is just so strong. So... They 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 definitely um, get powerful as they they get uh, rise in the ranks and especially because Lobos you said you get new abilities mm-hmm. and one of the abilities like so like imagine uh, a wizard we'll take them as an example I'm not sure what level it is maybe it's like level four or five mm-hmm. they get the ability to just heal themselves yeah right so uh, not only. Not only do you have to worry about still damaging them to kill them, actually, you know, like hitting them to kill them, but now you have to deal with you have to be able to damage them faster than they can heal themselves. Yeah. And uh, like the mistress at, at one of the, I want to say like level six, she gets this lightning bolt. Oh yeah. Which just allows you to shoot from super far away, and so and they're annoying because what they'll do is they'll, they'll shoot with their lightning bolts and then they'll back up, turn around and shoot you again. They'll basically <laughs> kite yeah. The enemies. Yeah, the That's AI hilarious. is very
1: good at kiting. And with the mistress in particular, she also gets drain life spell. So she'll just yeah. alternate between lightning and drain life and it heals her and, and the lightning does a ton of damage. And they get speed, so they're already faster. They're, they're crazy good. Crazy good. I
0: could talk all day about the creatures because oh, yeah. they're so fun and the spells are, are great. I think there's a, the... On the other side, so uh, the hero side, there's like a wizard... And, or I think it's maybe a fairy. And in any case, <laughs> it actually has this, like, gust of wind Oh, smell. that's the priestess. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. it's the priestess. It's the worst. And so
0: a lot of times what you do is you throw all your enemies, and they or you throw all your minions into the combat, and they just, like, blow them all off to the side <laughs> of the wall, and now they're all bunched up, and you're like, oh, yep. no. And a lot of
1: times, like, so what I did in one of the later levels was actually convert a priestess to my side. And you think that's all great and everything, but then... Your priestess will, when it gets in combat, it blows all the enemies away, and then she gets out of combat and just leaves. And it's like, well, I want you to fight them. It's uh, yeah, it can be aggravating, but there are some really cool like weaknesses and strengths between those enemy types. For example, the bile demons—they're way too big. They're just so heavy they don't get blown away. So if I see a priestess, I'm just immediately dumping bile demons on him. And she's also, I think, she's weaker to physical because she's like a spellcaster. And they are just—they'll just walk up and bash her, and they—they'll take care of her real fast.
0: That's yeah, that's a really good strategy. I think it—it—it's it, worth going back and revisiting the temperament of the creatures because what you said is—is is so true. Is the creatures have a very short attention span? <laughs> they have to literally be being punched in the face. <laughs> For them to want to engage with combat because, you know, many times there's enemies and uh, I can't quite get to them. You know, imagine there's like a, a small pit of lava, which, by the way, your creatures will walk through. If there's a reason to walk through the lava, they will. Or like water, a better example, like walking through the water. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what you'll do is you're like, all right, well, I, can, I can't I can reach this area uh, but I have a bridge that reaches within like three or four tiles. So I'm going to throw down all my creatures three or four tiles away and hope that they engage. And maybe one of them does. And like the <laughs> rest of the seven are like, Oh, I'm, I could go for a sandwich right yeah. now. I'm going to walk <laughs> back. It's like, okay oh. guys go over here. And so the game does give you some abilities to sort of force that. And I wanted to uh, pick your brain, uh, both Al-Maxi and Lobos and, about the uh, the spell call to arms. So we'll talk about spells after this, but let's talk yeah. about one of the spells you can use is uh, a flag you you plant in the ground, and what's supposed to do is attract your minions. There is basically say, hey minions, please go over here and just kind of hang around this area. Yeah. But they seemed like they needed to be like they needed to have that like in their vision to actually walk there. If you yes. if you just threw it off somewhere mm-hmm. else, they're like, eh, I don't care.
1: Yeah. So the way Call to Arms works is if you just click to cast a spell, um, again, I think spells have a a big section we need to talk about, but Call to Arms costs anywhere between one and nine gold, basically per second, and probably more than that. If you click and hold the spell, it will cost more, but also have a greater effect. And the radius at which Call to Arms will affect the creatures is larger on the larger cost. But if you have it active, it's basically a toggle. And if you toggle it on at the highest cost, your gold just plummets while it's happening. So unless you're in really good gold shape or you just desperately need them to, to run to the, the dungeon heart of the enemy or whatever. It's something I only use in very specific cases when I need them to get there and I, I can't like claim my way there or build bridges or something.
2: Now, it would only actually drain your gold if you were using it in the enemy's territory, right? If you cast it in territory you owned, then it wouldn't have any kind of uh, drain.
1: Ah, yeah, that makes sense. I never use it in my own territory, so, but that totally makes sense.
2: Ah,
0: yeah, so you could kind of use that as a guard post. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize that you could click to hold to increase the spell, which might have made things easier, Especially as some of the abilities are, like, healing.
1: (gasps) Wait, you did Oh, it's because Alimaxia also didn't know this. And the lightning spell, if you click and hold, is absurd. It will two to three shot, like, level five enemies.
2: That would have saved me so many times.
1: I, I think we need to now dive into spells. So... Yeah,
2: yes. Why don't you talk about
0: how the spells operate yeah. here, and then and then we'll talk about how you get new spells.
1: Yeah, so spells are a very big part of uh, Dungeon Keeper. Well, at least they they should be, to make the easiest experience. One of the creatures that you can attract is a warlock, and the warlock needs a library to come to your dungeon, and once he's there and he's settled and he's made his little house, he will immediately try to go and study, and he'll do some research in the library. And there's basically a set of Uh, spells or rooms that you can discover by researching and every time you do a a fresh level that resets specifically for the first chunk of levels all the spells you can research and the rooms you can research are limited so once you research all that you can for that level that's it but there are a lot of rooms and a lot of spells that you can get this way the first thing that is always researched i think is speed monster or maybe the bridge room Uh, Bridge, in particular, is one that you want to have because there's a lot of times you have to cross lava or whatever or water, and there are various reasons why that is very helpful outside of the obvious. But the more warlocks you have in there, the faster stuff will research, and there's a question mark tab on your UI that shows you kind of the progress of your current research. And once that bar fills up, you learn spell or room, and then it starts on the next spell or room. Your library, as you research more spells... It'll create a little spinning icon that is representative of the spell. And if you ever lose that library, you lose that spell as well. And they also take up space. So as you start to get to later levels, you need a bigger library uh, or less people in it. And the the higher level, like, the people are that are studying in there, the faster the research goes as well, so... Having a big library with a good chunk of, of warlocks or or wizards or dragons. Dragons love to research as well. They do. Gets your, now, if you had multiple libraries
2: up. and you lost one of them, would the spells in that one transfer to the other, or would the other one have to research them all over again?
1: Uh, So the spell icon, spinning book or whatever, that is the spell. So if you lost that room, then you would lose it completely. Oh. And if you sold the tile... Um, I think you, I think as you sell tiles of a library, it will scoot the items, but if it runs out of room, then it'll just start getting rid of those books and you'll have to re-research those as well.
0: Yeah. And in terms of, of researching, often what I do is, uh, the, the first couple things I'd research right away, just throw a level one warlock in there. Um, but then I would actually then train them up to maybe like level three and then they, they speed up quite a bit. And a lot of the stuff later on, a lot of later on, uh, Spells require some significant research and it mm-hmm. just takes forever if they're level one. Yeah. So, yeah, a- allowing them a little bit of time to train up can make things go quite a bit faster.
1: Yeah. And especially usually about maybe 10 minutes or so into a map, things can start to get aggressive as far as the enemy. And by that point, if you've all you have are level one warlocks who've been researching the whole time, it's going to be a, a tough fight. So, balancing that research with the the training of them as well is is something to take take consideration of
0: yeah so some of the spells uh you can get are uh so there's heal that allows you to heal your own minions there is uh there's of course lightning bolt which uh, again i didn't know that you could charge up so it it wasn't that
1: great oh it's amazing
0: often what i'd have to do is like i i'd you know, imagine a level three or four creature. I just zap them like twenty times, with <laughs> bolt and, and they're they're really hard to hit. You have to basically hit the exact tile they're on, which is is a lot harder than it seems. And so, off, I think probably like if you're just trying to target uh, an eight, like one single creature, I feel like I'd hit it like one every five times. <laughs> Lobos, did you have any strategy for actually hitting?
1: Yeah, if you charge it up, the radius gets massive, oh, so okay. almost almost go. the entire screen visual will get hit with a fully charged lightning bolt and you can take out huge groups of enemies. If there, if you see like a a pile of 10 to 15 level three creatures, like two lightning bolts just gets rid of them and it's just, it's so good. The thing about this game is there is a fog of war as there is in traditional RTS, but once you uncover with a physical creature, you will not lose that fog of war. So you could like suicide run somebody into the middle of their dungeon and from that point on you can you can always have a look into the enemy dungeon and just pick off people here and there or to be really mean you just find like the gems or whatever their money source is and every couple seconds you can just sit there and just and pick off all of their imps as they come to mine gold and That's awesome. it just cuts off all their resources
0: so let's uh, quickly switch over to uh, some of the other buildings because uh, I was just using a temple, and as you saw, I combined three creatures, uh, or I basically sacrificed three creatures, and that combination of creatures produced a horned demon or a horned reaper, and. I immediately threw it in the training room and then slapped it, and he's like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not having that!" Oh my god! And so he's just running. He's so angry. He's <laughs> running all around my dungeon, and so and so to pacify him, you got to throw him money. Um, but it's actually sometimes very hard to to, to give him money when these mm-hmm. when he's like racing around all your dungeon, right? Yeah,
1: and if they're especially if they're mad, like. Sometimes when you're trying to interact with a creature, whether it's give them money or cast a spell on them, they'll like pause in place when you cursor over them. But if they're especially if they're mad or they're busy training or something, they'll just keep moving around, and it's like, "Come, I'm trying to drop money on you, take it."
0: <laughs> exactly. So you end up with like piles of gold around him. Yeah.
1: So the Horned Reaper in particular is the is the strongest unit that you can get um, for your dungeon minions. Um, there is a stronger human minion that you can convert, but that's only in, I think, only the final level, possibly the second as well. But uh, the Horned Reaper is super picky. He's finicky. And I always build out his own little set of three, three by three tile rooms. I give him a lair. I give him a hatchery, a training room, and then usually like a temple. Because if he just runs around in the temple, it makes him happy. But he gets mad if you slap him. He gets mad if he's sleeping. He gets mad if you you're not paying him regularly. Pretty much, so he's re- he's, he's a big
0: he's a big he's baby.
1: a big baby, and you got to babysit him. But it's worth it because especially if you get a level ten horned reaper, he will just he's slashed through everything like it's butter.
0: It, it's really great. It's worth noting that each of the minions, when they set up their little home, they have a unique. Yes. Sleeping place, and the the Horned Reaper is like this big throne. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's really really pretentious, (laughs) but it's it's just so perfect. It's it's great. I love it. It
1: is. One of the reasons I really wanted to talk about spells is a spell that you always have by default and is free to cast is Possess Monster, and that is one of the coolest things ever because you physically possess any creature that you want, and it takes you into a first-person view, and... Uh, It's, you know, it's dated, so it's very pixely, um, but creatures will have their own unique viewpoints. Like, for example, if you possess a fly, it's got this, like, very multi-segmented kind of lens that it sees through, and you can fly around. Or if you possess a hellhound, he sees in black and white, because he's colorblind. Or if you possess a dragon, they've got this big smoky aura around them, and there's varying sizes and speeds to the creatures, plus... You can play around with all of their spells. And if you're possessing a creature, you're pretty much going to do whatever job they're trying to do much better uh, if you're going about it the right way. You can possess an imp at the beginning of a level and just say, I want to dig south like to this weird section on the map and see if there's a secret there. And you can cast speed on him before or slap him and you can just dig like nothing as well as claim territory. So possessing is a very powerful tool, but also a super cool piece of flavor that I really is really endearing to me.
2: Really point out how well they do the job whenever you're possessing them. There was one level. I think it's uh, the one we're looking at right now on our, on our view here where I had to take control of a, a bile demon and go hit doors because, uh, <laughs> We were talking about earlier, the uh the AI just wouldn't go do what you want them to do. And I found that by controlling my my bile demon and hitting the door, I could take it out in like three hits as opposed to waiting mm-hmm. 10 seconds for an army to take it to hit the door.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you will attack manually much faster than a regular enemy would. And for example, the the dragons, they have a fire breath. And if it's in game, they'll be like, burn, burn, burn. But if you possess it, you can just hold it down and it's like Twice oh as gosh. much damage per second. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. One trick that I like to use is bile demons, since they use poison and they fart all the time, they're immune to poison. So there might be a, a section where you're trying to explore and there are traps and your imps are constantly going in and dying to poison traps. If you take a bile demon and sit him on that poison trap, keep moving off and on it, it will trigger the trap. He won't take any damage and eventually the trap runs out of charges and you can continue going from there. Um, which might be a, a decent segue into the workshop, because,
0: yeah. I was going to say trap, traps in yeah. general, because there's only a couple traps. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lightning trap, which will just shoot lightning out. Uh, but the one I think I really want to talk about is the boulder trap, because that is <laughs> the most nefarious. So the other two traps that damage creatures, the lightning trap and the uh, the poison trap, they will essentially damage creatures... But they the the creatures sometimes have just so many hit points that it's not very damaging. So like imagine throwing a level ten bile demon, yeah. just you know, truckload of hit points. It can just kind of walk through all those traps. Now the boulder trap does not care about <laughs> levels, it or in hit points. It only cares about the number of creatures it's killed, or I think it's also the amount of time it's spent rolling around.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll eventually break.
0: Which means if you've got if you throw down ten or eight level ten bile demons to bash down a door, and that door triggers a boulder, mm. you've just lost all of your bile <laughs> yeah. demons, and that is sad.
1: There are some very mean setups where you're like, "Oh, this is a this is a magic door. Oh, this looks this looks fancy." Like the there are different qualities of doors, and the most uh, durable is a magic door. It just looks like a a door made of water that's kind of rippling out. And as soon as you break it down, it's like, oh, there's a boulder trap, and if you're not quick on the picking up your creatures, they're just all trounced right there, and that that's potentially you know level killing disaster oh, yeah. to have there, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean you can always get new creatures. The the portals will constantly spawn more creatures for you. There is a cap on on creatures, you know. that yeah. You're yeah. you can summon and sort of maintain. So let's say that, and it depends on the level, but let's say that there's a cap of 20 creatures. You can still go over 20 creatures. Again, this isn't counting minions, right. but uh, actually combative creatures. You can actually um, use the uh, what Lobos was talking about earlier, which is uh, torturing creatures and having them join your side, or you can have vampires resurrect from the, the graveyard. And so, yeah, you can go over that cap. Yeah. There's like a
1: soft cap for when creatures will generally stop coming to your dungeon. Otherwise, you would just get a flood of creatures and never stop.
0: Now real quick, I want to interject here because Armageddon is just about ready to go <laughs> off this spell. Did you guys use Armageddon? I used it
1: on this exact level and it broke my game. But that what? that was the only time I'd ever experienced this is I used Armageddon and I believe the functionality is, well, there's a countdown timer and then once this countdown timer finishes, it's about 30 seconds it teleports all creatures to your dungeon heart for a final oh my God. battle royale <laughs> so if you think you have more creatures and you just want to finish the level really quickly you can just do this or if you just want to pit yours against theirs and once that happens there's another countdown timer of like four or five minutes and once that finishes i think if you're still alive you win the level is that right
0: I, well, I'm not sure. I think what it does though is it locks you out of picking up creatures. So it's oh, it basically, does, yes. yeah, it's basically you cannot touch your creatures. <laughs> they are fighting. Have fun. Watch the carnage. Yeah. And I didn't know what Armageddon did. <laughs> I just knew that it, it cost a lot of money. It took a long time to to research. And when I when I first researched it, it said this spell is the ultimate spell. If you think you have a more powerful force, cast it. Have fun. I was like. <laughs> I'm like I think this is probably that, but yeah, it teleports to the dungeon heart. It's just a massive carnage. It's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, it's also worth noting because we haven't really talked about how you win in the game oh, yeah. or how you lose. So who wants to talk about that?
2: So I'm very uh, I'm very knowledgeable on what happens when I lose. So um, <laughs> I, I got I got knocked out a few times, but really what it is is um, well, I didn't let them kill me all the way, but. It, they They get in, they take out your dungeon heart to win you take out their dungeon heart. It really seemed to me almost Moba in in the goal,
1: right. The other way is either you defeat all the enemy keepers by destroying their dungeon heart or in certain levels, there are only heroes and you defeat waves of heroes until finally the Lord of the land approaches, who's ah, the the, the, the knight character of the of the hero faction. And he's he's a strong guy. He's almost kind of like Horned Reaper equivalent. And he'll usually be accompanied by another group of heroes. They'll make their way to your dungeon. Or maybe you've already found where they spawn because there are hero portals out in the world. This kind of wavy looking mirror type portal. And you can just drop all your creatures on them. It's usually not too hard. If you've made it that far in the level, as long as you've got like your big creatures left, then you, you can take them out pretty easily.
0: We're actually coming up on some of the last levels here and I want to pivot uh, on over to the last level itself and we should be we should be getting to it in just a hmm. minute. But the last level, level I wanted to, to spend some time talking about because I think this level really helps to illustrate what makes Dungeon Keeper challenging and when you remove certain elements from Dungeon Keeper, how much more challenging the game is. Yeah. The way that dungeon keeper traditionally works, you know, Lobos mentioned you can take one, you know, you can possess one of your minions and and kind of let him pillage and terror of your enemy, right? Um, but often what you want to do is you want to claim, use your your imps to claim portions of their dungeon to basically allow you the ability to to use those almost as like forward operating bases where you're like. All right, I, I know that I can drop a bunch of reinforcements, you know, one or two rooms behind where my main mm-hmm. uh, attack force is, right? But in order to actually claim those areas, you need to have one contiguous path of, of terrain right. or a bridge from point A to point B. So, for instance, in the last level, there is a large moat that is physically separating any of your level from all, any of their level, and that becomes very difficult because it means you cannot actually start claiming their territory. What you have to do is actually, and and there's no bridges for some reason in this this uh, specific one. They oh, do not I mean, start you out that. with a bridge. Okay, you can't actually bridge into their their area. Now, what we're seeing here is actually the last little bit of the level in which you do have a bridge. So what what happens is. There's a, a very strong enemy force. And once you take them out, you find uh, the avatar of the land and he is imprisoned. And so you fight him. And what I actually did is I actually knocked him out and, and tried to take his body. Even if you try to kill him, his body decomposes. And the little narrator's like, What's this? The avatar has disappeared. And so you're like, Well, that's kind of weird. And. A little bit later, uh, he comes back and he says the avatar is alive and and he is attacking your um, your uh, dungeon heart and he comes in with just like a swath of level ten creatures, like really really devastating. Now uh, I had built up tons of traps around wh- where I knew they were going to spawn, so I made <laughs> things a little bit easy. Um, but this this level is really interesting because you have four four nodes of gold that are gems. Gems never run out of gold. In all situations other than that, other than the gems, like the gold that you mined is, is one-time consumable. So there are situations where you could basically run out of money and, and mm-hmm. not be able to to win a match, right? But anytime you have the gems, that's basically, hey, that's that's free infinite money. And so I was dealing with upwards of a million gold. Yeah. And what I was doing was just like using that gold to burn through and try to damage my enemies because it was very hard to get to them. Also in this level, I use heavy use of the scavenging room and the temple. And those sort of counteract each other. Lobos, did you understand how those work?
1: The scavenging room, if you have a creature and the enemy has that same creature, if your creature is higher level, you can actually just steal it from the other side. So if I have a level 10 Dark Mistress and there are level 5s and 7s in control of the enemy... You can put her in your level 10 into the scavenging room and it costs money just like a training room periodically. Um, and it's a very expensive room on its own. But you'll actually just s- suddenly pull them into, into your dungeon and they become your minions. And that can be very powerful if you know what the enemy has. Really just turn the tide because, well, yeah, you know, taking one away from them, adding one to you, just makes you that much more powerful. And the temple... Um, you go on with what you were going to say about the temple.
0: I was just going to say the temple is the way you counteract that from happening with you. Ah,
1: okay. I did not remember that part of it. Yeah. Nah. So
0: if if you've got, if you've got, so let's say Lobos, because there is actually multiplayer, which I didn't play. I, this game isn't wouldn't really interest me in the multiplayer mm-hmm. Way maybe just like a casual match with some friends. In any case, let's say Lobos and I were playing together. Lobos had a level 10 Dark Mistress, and I had, let's say, two level five Dark Mistresses. What I could do is I put those both into my temple, and that sort of like creates a shield Ah. and blocks... The scavenging attempt... Now, the scavenging that Loveless is doing actually does cost him money, Mm -hmm. and it's actually more money than training. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's not... Unless you have infinite money, there is a cost to incur there. But in in this specific level, I actually found that very troublesome, because what was happening was they had a ton of level 10 vampires in their scavenging room, and so my imps, I would, you know, have a small little battle, and... I would uh, resurrect uh, a vampire because what happens is the imps will take the, the deceased bodies and move them to the graveyard. They decompose and then they will spawn a vampire, level one vampire. Mm. And that would immediately sca- get scavenged <laughs> because my level in the temple was not high enough to actually like create that shield. I, I basically had to stop getting vampires because i was essentially just feeding them new vampires and then they would train those <laughs> level 10 vampires so it was a mess oh, so i was like oh how do i how do i just beat these guys here uh so it was a very very long and arduous process it was a lot of like baiting their creatures out trying to steal one of their level 10 creatures and then interrogating them and you know you can sit there and heal them over and over and over yeah. and over yeah. and w- when they're being tortured and that means you have a higher chance of, of them actually converting because, yeah, if they die while being tortured, they'll turn into, I think, a ghost, right? Yes. Or a skeleton? While being
1: tortured, it's a, a ghost. ghost. If they die in the prison, like starving to death, then it's a skeleton.
0: Yeah. Also, we're almost out of time here, but it is kind of worth mentioning quickly that skeletons really hate bile demons <laughs> and so your enemies your, your minions will actually attack each other as they yeah you know like there's some, certain enemies that just do not or menus that don't get uh they don't get along a, yeah. along like the flies i think flies and beetles are one right uh
1: flies and beetles are okay i think flies and spiders oh, don't get along
0: yeah, that's right flies and spiders yeah, flies
2: and spiders early in the game they were fighting and i i was like why why are you two fighting separate each other and they <laughs> yeah, would go like right back same at same it <laughs>
1: Uh, before we totally wrap up, I did want to mention that uh, there are some really cool things you can do. In certain levels, there are what are called dungeon secrets, and they're little hidden kind of spiky power-ups, and they have a lot of different effects. Some can increase all of your minions' level by one. Some of them can resurrect a creature who's died. Sometimes you can transfer one creature to the next level, but possibly the most interesting thing is there are hidden levels that you can unlock, and then they're they're really like kind of mini-game secret levels. The first one is probably the hardest one, and that is, it's almost like a first-person RPG, because you don't, you're not allowed to do any building, and you start with one dragon, I think, and all you can do is possess him, and just start walking through kind of a maze-like level with him, and you have to fight some enemies, and then eventually, after several rooms, you'll find a neutral uh, Dark Mistress, I think, is the next one. And then you can possess the Dark Mistress, and you go through the next part. And then there's a vampire. And so it's it's a really different way to play the game, but using the systems. And I thought that was super ingenious. That is
0: so cool. Yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't find oh, that Oh,
1: yeah. And the only other one I'll mention um, is really funny, where there's two levels like this, where you start off and you have like 40 imps, and that's it. And it says these imps have become corrupted. You need to defeat them all in like three minutes. And you're like, oh gosh, what do I do? So you can slap your imps to kill them. You can um, dig to certain spots in the level and unleash enemies that will come and kill the imps. Uh, Ultimately, the strategy I went with was drop a couple on this bridge in front of the lava, slap them into the lava, and just keep slapping them, and that would kill them. (laughs) It's kind of a sadistic level, but- Oh,
0: nice. That level I, I did play that one that one was okay, awesome. Nice. There's some bo- some boulders that you can mm. uh, unleash and that will kill about 5 amps there. Yeah. The the only the only other secret level I found was called Full Moon, I believe, mm. and it is accessible only during a full moon. Oh. And it's really kind of cool. Yeah, there's it's there's great, also one, one that
1: only shows up on a certain day, I think. So if you change your system Ooh. clock, then it'll actually show up and you can do it. Oh, that's so, so much cool.
0: interesting depth here, and I, I, I'm surprised, maybe I say this every episode, <laughs> but I'm always surprised at how much we can talk about it. And I feel like we could easily go
2: another hour. Yeah, man. But...
1: Every creature has so much detail, you can just go on and on, but
2: yeah. And there's, and there's even some buildings we didn't even talk about. Like, uh, I don't think we talked about the barracks.
1: No, there's so many rooms, yeah. Like, we didn't talk about the the workshop very much, like trolls, orcs, there's some yeah, so much to it. The
2: barracks. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. So uh, still still really worth picking up uh you might actually find that you have this game for free on some of your various like either gog.com or origin like i feel like so many services give this game out for free so uh check out your account see if you've got it and uh maybe download the keeper fx mod if you want to play still holds up today i think uh closing thoughts here maybe start with Alamaxia.
2: Uh, like we like we keep saying, the depth of this game is unreal, especially for being 1997. The graphics are, eh, with the mod it is much better. I'm I'm gonna be going back to this game to finish it. This is every game we play. Every game we play is always more fun than I expect it to be, and this one <laughs> I think surprised me the most. So I, I very much recommend this to anyone out there who who likes RTSs.
1: Yeah. Dungeon Keeper is just one of my favorites. I play it every couple of years for the past 20 years or so. You know, it's a shame that there hasn't been any sort of remake or continuation of the IP. There is a Dungeon Keeper 2. They made a mobile game. There's also a, a spiritual successor called War for the Overworld, which is pretty recent. And I've heard very good things. Um, I haven't gotten to touch it myself, but
0: uh, there's also one i think called dungeons and they even have like up to dungeons
1: Three. Oh, okay yeah i haven't played that either
0: I, I tried it out a little bit um it didn't quite hit the mark but you know it, it might be worth checking out uh at some point well there you have it that is the uh end credits there of dungeon keeper and a big shout out to all of our patreon supporters for this episode if you uh you know enjoy this show and you want to help support it support us you can head on over to patreon.com slash saturday morning gaming show to learn more what game we're going to play be playing next so next we've got uh oh man this one this one is is you know tugs at my heartstrings it's a super, super long game, but I remember picking it up when I was like 16 and sinking so many hours into it as my parents had finally bought me a computer to have in my room. We're going to be playing Might and Magic 6, The Mandate of Heaven. I think this is a easily 60-hour-ish game, so uh, quite an investment. Uh, Lobos, I think you might be actually streaming it quite a bit here, is that correct? I'm going to be
1: starting doing it on Mondays. Uh, we'll see... Uh, if I need to do some more outside of that or how far I can manage to get. But I'm definitely going to put in a bunch of time.
0: That's cool. I think uh, once you kind of get at the hang of the game, you uh, will sink its claws into you. There's a lot of really cool things to explore. A lot of interesting dungeons. And I don't want to talk about it too much. <laughs> Although with only an hour to talk about, man, you thought this one was hard to talk about <laughs> in only an hour. Oh no boy. Trying to sink 60 hours in. Oh, boy. Or whatever, so. Uh, that will be our episode in August. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Well, sadly, we have reached the end credits of this episode, and we wanted to thank everyone for listening to us on the podcast.
2: We release a new podcast monthly, so be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast
1: on iTunes, Google, or whatever your platform of choice is. And if you have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at Saturday morning gaming Show at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at Gaming.
0: And a special shout out to Technoax for the uh, intro music on this episode.
2: For Saturday Morning Gaming, I'm Alamaxia. And I'm Lobos.
0: And I'm the Fat Wizard. We'll see you in August with Might and Magic 6, The Mandate of Heaven.